Copeland, thanks for being with us today, and it's all yours. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, thank you. Well, it's great to be at Heritage Baptist Church. And uh, Sunday school, I love Sunday school. I think this is the sweetest time on a Sunday morning, I really do. Just taking the Bible and looking at the Bible, and for you to make the effort to be at Sunday school this morning is, uh, means a couple things. Number one, you care. Number two, you also been trained very well. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of places doing away with Sunday school, doing away with Sunday night, doing away with all these extra services. And uh, for you to be here, just, I know you're not here to hear from me. By the way, let me make sure you understand this. My name is Kurt Copeland, not Kenneth Copeland. Just make sure we're all on the same page there. And uh, I am no relation, as far as I know, to Kenneth Copeland. Some of you are like, who's Kenneth Copeland? If you don't know, you're better off. And uh, I'm just saying, and, and I was down in Texas, Pastor, just about a month ago, and uh, his, his compound, I don't know what you call it, his, his home office is there in Texas, and I thought, I'm going to go by and see him. I'm going to go introduce myself. And so I drove on the property, didn't realize how big the property would be, but it's it massive. And I went to like six different buildings before I found the main office building, walked in the front door, and I said, my name is Kurt Copeland. I'm here to see Uncle Ken. <laughs> and the guy behind the desk did what you just did. And he said, fat chance. And I said, I, I, I'm here to see him. He said, there's no way, you're not seeing him. I said, I'm family. He said, I don't care who you say you are, you're not seeing him. He's busy and he doesn't wanna see you. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm just gonna break in. The guy had a gun on his hip, so I didn't try and break in. But uh, I was gonna tell him two things. Number one, stop embarrassing the name of Christ. Amen. And number two, stop embarrassing the name Copeland. I don't like it. And uh, anyway, if you don't know him, it's okay. But I'm glad to be here and uh, glad that you're here this morning. And I'll just jump right into the Sunday school lesson today. I'll, I'll tell a couple stories in the church service, but I, I, I've got a couple gym stories I want to tell you about, uh, illustrations that I, I can I'm just kidding. I've never been to the gym. I have no idea what goes on in a gym. I, it seems like work to me, so I have no idea. Luke chapter 17 this morning. Luke chapter 17, and I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed being with your pastor this week. And uh, I, the rest of the staff I can't stand, but I love being with your pastor. And uh, we, I'm just kidding. We have, we have had a great time of laughing and uh, fellowshipping. I think what I love, I, and there's a whole lot to love, but one of the things that stands out to me is the compassion, the care about you that I see in your pastor's life. And when I say you, I don't mean just you. I mean even me. He, I had never met your pastor before this past Wednesday. And uh, immediately, it wasn't about him. He just cared about me. And, uh, and that's not normal in 2023. And uh, this week, he's talked about his church family and the, the love he has for you. And, and I love that. I really do. That's a, that's a special thing. And, uh, and, it, and it spreads into the staff too because the staff has been the same way. And uh, pastor, I wanna say thank you. It means a lot to me, it does. Luke chapter 17, we'll look at this passage of scripture and, and just talk through it here this morning. Luke chapter 17, Jesus himself preaching. I told the teenagers this week, my favorite preacher in the world is Jesus. And I love to hear Jesus preach. And in this passage, he's doing some preaching. Luke chapter 17, verse number 11, we'll begin there. The Bible says this, and it came to pass as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee and entered into a certain village. And there met him, it met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And 
they lift up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. I look at this passage of scripture. What an amazing passage. His sermon really there uh, was just six words. Just a six-word sermon to these 10 lepers. His, his message was, go show yourself to the priests. I, I want you to obey. And, and, and let me just give some setting here. I, I, I look at this leprosy. I, I had the privilege four different times to drive down, not drive, excuse me, fly over to Thailand. That'd be quite a drive. But I flew over to Thailand to preach for a missionary named Rick Horn. And uh, Rick Horn was based out of our church. And I, I, I went to school with his daughter and got to spend a lot of time with his family and Brother Rick Horn was, was a dear, dear friend of mine. He's in heaven now. Brother Horn was about five foot four and uh, about three and a half feet, four feet wide in the shoulders, not the stomach, in the shoulders. He's a big man. He's a Marine. I, I told him one day, I said, Brother Horn, you used to be a Marine. And he about punched me. He said, no, sir. Once a Marine, always a Marine. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. My brother's a Marine. My brother used to look like a Marine. Now my brother looks like a submarine. And uh, he, he's, he's not much of a Marine. I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. But uh, Brother Horn, I was giving him a hard time. And, and while I was over there in Thailand, we, we went to a leper colony. A, a literally a village of people who had the disease of leprosy. I don't know if you've ever met a person with a disease of leprosy. It's not in America. You won't find it in America. Um, but they're in... Thailand, there was a whole colony of people who had the disease of leprosy. I'd never experienced anything like it in my life. I, I walked into this village and I, I, I told Brother Horn before we went, can I get leprosy? And he said, yeah, you can. And he said, I hope you do. <laughs> he was really loving and kind to me. And uh, he said, I'm just kidding. He said, no, he said, you just wash your hands, stay clean, stay, you know that, you'll be okay. And uh, we went in and I saw things I'd never seen in my life. I saw people with leprosy that attacked, attacked their face. Uh, leprosy is a, a blood disease that attacks the extremities of your body and, and, uh, and literally extremities of your body start rotting off, literally rotting off and falling off. And I, I saw things there I'd never seen in my life. I saw a, a, a lady with bandages around her head and they were changing the bandages while I was there. And, and, and when they took the bandages off, uh, she, her her, her uh, right side of her face was gone. You could see the bone structure and the teeth, the, the cheek had come off, come off and the nose and the ear, that whole side of her face was gone and uh, bandaged up. And I saw a man who, who were just, there were nubs on his, on his arms and, and uh, bandaged up where the leprosy had attacked the extremities of his body and the arms were gone. Very painful, very, very, uh, deadly disease. There was no, in the Bible times, there was no uh, 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 healing for that. There was no prescription that you could be given. If you had the disease of leprosy in the Bible times, it was literally a death sentence. So when I read this passage of scripture, it's not just a story Jesus was telling. I read this passage of scripture and I like to visualize what was going on. Here the Bible says Jesus was going through Samaria and Galilee. 
And as he passed through, there were 10 men that met him. In the Bible times, if someone approached a, a stranger with the disease of leprosy, they had to declare the leprosy. If they didn't, they could be put to death. So the Bible times, if you study this out, if, if you had or if I had leprosy and I was approaching Harvest Baptist Church, I was required by law to declare to you I had leprosy. And that meant this, I would hold my arms up in the air. I would declare loudly, unclean, unclean, unclean. And I would repeat that over and over again so that you knew, don't approach me. I, I have a disease that if you get this disease, you no longer will be in, in normal society. Unclean. And, and I would move, you would move. We would not come in contact with each other. Here Jesus comes up to these 10 leprous men that have this disease of leprosy. And by the way, can I just paint the picture a little bit more? If you had leprosy, no longer were you allowed to live in your own home. By the way, you didn't want to live in your own home because you didn't want your family to contract the disease of leprosy. You didn't want your children to be diagnosed with the disease of leprosy. You didn't want your wife to have that disease of leprosy. So literally when you were diagnosed, you were kicked out of your family. You were kicked out of your community. No longer would you talk to the neighbors in the, in the neighborhood. Your life is completely different. And you were moved into literally leprous colonies where the only people that were in the leprous colonies were those who had the disease of leprosy. You didn't get to go home from work every day and say hello to your, your wife, sir. Ma'am, you didn't get to go home and say hello to your husband and your children. Children, if you had leprosy, you weren't allowed to be around mom and dad. I mean, life was different and no, no remedy, no healing, no way of out. If you had leprosy, that was a death sentence. Do you understand the picture of what's going on here in Luke? It's not just some cute little story. This was 10 men literally on their deathbed. They were dead men walking. They see, they see Jesus afar off. I see number one in this passage of scripture, I see the need was great. I mean, these people had the disease of leprosy and their life was over. Put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in the situation these people, everything they had lived for up to that point is now gone. Their retirement is gone. Their family is gone. They're no longer driving their vehicles anymore. They're no longer going to their workplace anymore. They don't sit around the kitchen table with their family anymore. They, they have no life like they used to know it. Life as they knew it was gone. There was no healing. There was no escape. When I look at that passage of scripture, honestly, the, the, the Bible's there to teach us a lesson, but one of the lessons I learned from this passage of scripture is, man, I have a great need too. My need's great. I have a curse on my life. That curse is a curse of sin. I deserve God's wrath. It's a death sentence. There's no human escape from the curse of sin in my life. If I die in the, in the situation I'm in as a sinner with unforgiveness, then I'm on my way to an eternal damnation in a place called hell. 
That's where I'm at. By the way, that's the picture in this passage of scripture too. I see number one, the need is great. These lepers have no healing. It's highly contagious. It's deadly. It's a picture of sin in our life. Can I tell you, uh, our sin is deadly. There's no human remedy for our sin. There's no escaping the curse of sin in our life. And every one of us, this is real encouraging here. Aren't, you're gonna be glad you came to Sunday school for this one. Every one of us are dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. Some of you like elbowing your wife. Honey, see, I told you. No, I'm not talking about your wife. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. We're all dirty, rotten, filthy sin. Aren't you glad you came to Sunday school now? That preacher from Tennessee got up there and he insulted every one of us. No, I'm talking about me too. By the way, put me at the top of the list. I know me. I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. I got saved when I was 10 years old, but can I tell you, I'm still a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. If I got what I deserved, I'd be burning in a place called hell right now. Why? Because I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. You say, well, what, what'd you do? My answer to that is none ya. It's none of your business. Just like I don't wanna know, wait a second, let's do this. Let's just have a little uh, fun here in Sunday school this morning. Brother Rob, let's see if I can get him. You can just use the lapel mic. I'm gonna come to you here, Brother Rob. I want you to tell everybody here the worst sin you've ever committed in your life. No lying. Your wife's not here to verify, but the worst sin you I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. He's probably sitting there thinking, okay, what can I say? What can, uh, unbelief. You know, I'm, we'll make up something. Nah, we're all dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. And here in this passage of scripture, this is not just a story about leprosy. It's a story about a need that's so great in our life that there is no human way out of it. There's nothing I can do to get my sins forgiven on my own. All of my righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. There's none righteous, no, not one. The best person in this auditorium this morning, which would be female, no question about it, because we men, we're just hard-headed. But the best person in this auditorium, guess what? Dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. We're all, in the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Do you know there's no big wigs with God? Let me say that one more time, because I, I kind of stuttered over those words. There's no such thing as a big wig with God. You know, when God looks down at this auditorium, he doesn't look down and say, oh, looky there, there is Brother Rob, the youth pastor, the man of God. And there's everyone else. God doesn't do that. When God looks at it, he doesn't say, oh, 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 well, look, there's a deacon. And there's the rest of the little minions there on earth. God doesn't do that. The ground's level, the foot of, foot of the cross. That means every teenager in here, you have just as much access to God as I do as an evangelist. Isn't that pretty amazing? There's no special treatment for me because I'm a preacher. The ground's level. You have just, uh, James says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. That doesn't mean if you're a preacher, God draws nigh. That doesn't mean if you're a deacon, God draws No, to anybody and everybody, God loves you and God loves me. And the ground's level, there's no such thing as a big wig in God's, in God's economy. And there's, there's also, listen, 
I'm not any worse than anyone else either. I'm a sinner just like you're a sinner. Yeah, but so-and-so's sins are a whole lot worse than mine. Find that in the Bible. No, really, find that in the Bible. Matter of fact, James says it this way. I hate to get the Bible in on this in Sunday school. Forgive me. I'm just kidding. Here's what James says. If you've offended in one point, you're guilty of... <laughs> Isn't that good? You know what that means? I'm a murderer. I've never murdered anyone. Well, my brother's growing up. I wanted to, just so you know. Jesus said it this way in the New Testament. If you have hatred in your heart towards your brother, you've committed murder already. It's real easy for us to come to church on a Sunday morning and think, yep, I'm a pretty good person. Look at me. Well, I'm, I'm all right. At least I'm not as bad as you know. So and so. That sounds kind of like the Pharisees of the New Testament too, doesn't it? Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give, give my alms to the poor. I... I and Jesus said, who left the church that day justified? The Pharisee standing there with his chest stuck out, chin up, nose in the air, thinking, look at me. Or the publican that stood at the altar, and the Bible says, smote his breast, saying, I'm unworthy. Jesus said that publican. Amen. See, I, 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 the need is great in my life. I look at this passage of scripture. It's not just a story about leprosy. It's a story about you and me. My, my need is great. I look at this passage and I see these 10 lepers that come to Jesus. I, I see, number one, that need is great, verses 12 and 13. And verse 14, Jesus said to them, go show yourselves unto the priest. Oh, 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 what does that mean? The only answer to my condition in life is Jesus. It's not me. It's not my good works. It's not the, my attendance in church. It's not my giving in an offering. It's not how good I can be. Now, by the way, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I understand that. I'm preaching to the best of the best. I, excuse me, teaching. It's Sunday school. I, it, we're, we're having a good old time in here. I know who I'm talking to. You got up early this morning and you came to Sunday school. That's awesome. For by grace are we saved through faith. And that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, Ephesians 2. You know what I understand from the word of God? I cannot, I cannot earn the favor of God. My job is to submit my will to God and he offers the forgiveness. He's the only one that can cleanse me. I can't do it on my own. If I'm left to myself, I, 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 I'm hopeless. Oh, now, I, I know we, we learn and we grow, and, and as we learn and we grow, we start cleaning up our lives and doing things a little bit. I understand all that stuff. I understand the, the growth process, but can I tell you that growth, that growth doesn't mean you're any more on your way to heaven than you were before you got saved. I can't earn that forgiveness of God. I can't earn that cleansing from God. I can't be, the only hope for me is Jesus. Jesus is the answer. I guess what I'm trying to say this morning is, 
the emphasis is not on us and what we do. The emphasis in this passage of Scripture is on Jesus. And literally all Jesus said was, go show yourself to the priest. Be cleansed. Just go obey me. Just go do what I say to do. The te he tested these 10 men in their faith. He said, go show yourself. And by the way, one of the greatest miracles here took place. The Bible says at the end of verse 14, and it came to pass that as they went, as they obeyed, as they did what Jesus said to do, the Bible says they were cleansed. Woo, that's awesome. My cleansing doesn't come from what I do except for my obedience to Christ. God, I'm yours as a 10-year-old boy sitting at Emmanuel Baptist Church, third row back, center aisle, which you're not supposed to have a center aisle today. Forgive, forgive Brother Rob for not putting it back together like that. It's all his fault. I was sitting on the center aisle, third row, 10-year-old boy, January 11th, 1982. The Holy Spirit of God got a hold of my heart and I sat there. I don't know if, if this happened to you, but when, when the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of my heart, I was fighting it. I didn't want to go forward. I, I was the church brat. I know you find that hard to believe, but I was the church brat. I got called out in every service. I would make noises. I would distract. I would do things every service. And this was a big church. I mean, literally this church, the night I got saved, it's a huge church. There were 14 total people in the service that night. Seven of them had the last name Amstutz. That was the pastor's name. It was a big church. Just kidding. But I was, I got called, literally, I'd be, I'd, preacher would be up there preaching and, and, and I would be out there doing something and he would stop the middle of the message and Kurt, stop doing that. Be quiet, pay attention. And it was usually that way. Stop it, stop it. You know, we had a, we had a ministry to the uh, adult uh, 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 nursing home in town for mentally handicapped adults. I remember one service we were there and uh, I, I was just a little tyke. I, I was sitting there with my best friend, Jimmy. Jimmy and I sitting side by side and I was, the choir was in this big church. The pastor was the, he was the pastor, the preacher. He was the Sunday school teacher. He was the janitor. He was the, he was the, the choir director. He was the song leader. He did, it was a one man show. And I remember he had turned around. There were like five people in the choir and he was leading the choir that morning. While he was leading the choir, I was sitting on the second row right here where the teenagers were sitting and on this side, opposite, all the way down on this side, on the, on the row, on the second row, th there was, there was uh, the, about six adult mentally handicapped people that we had bust into church that day. And I am not making fun. I'm not. But that morning, Pastor Amstutz had his back to everybody and he was doing this. I, don't, I told the teenagers, I don't know what this means. But he was doing this to the choir, leading that choir. I, I, he's just fanning them is all he's doing. And he, he's just having a good old time. And, and I, I, I was sitting there paying attention to the choir song and, and my best friend Jimmy elbowed me. He said, Kurt, look over there. And I looked over and every one of those adults, they were all doing this too. And I thought it was awesome. And it tickled me. And so I started chuckling. You ever started chuckling when you're not supposed to be chuckling and you can't stop? You ever done that? I was there, I was in church, and I knew, okay, it's not time to be laughing right now, but that's great. The choir should be singing the best they've ever sung. They've got eight people leading them this morning. This is awesome. And I'm like, Jerry, that's great. I'm laughing, and I didn't realize it, but the five in the choir saw me. 
And they saw me laughing. And so they're looking at me and they're starting to laugh a little bit. And, and so the choir's starting to laugh and I'm laughing. And I guess when I saw the choir laughing, I started laughing a little bit more. And, and you, know, you know how it's, con laughter's contagious. And I'm having a good time. And now the choir's, and the pastor, I guess he wasn't having such a good time with it. He's trying to lead the choir. And finally he turned around and he saw me laughing. And he stopped the entire choir. Stop, stop, stop. Everyone stop. Kurt Copeland. I'm like sinking down in the chair. Hey, can I tell you? There's nothing I can do to earn the favor of God. My obedience comes. I was the church brat in church. I'm only on my way to heaven because one day I stepped out of my seat and I came forward and I put my faith and trust in Christ as the church brat. I'm this leper in the Bible. Hold on. Look, look what happens next. The Bible says this, verse 15. The Bible says at the end of verse number 14, and as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15, and one of them, one of them, I hope I'm reading that right. I wish I weren't reading it right. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice, glorified God. Amen. Fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. By the way, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It also says, and he was a Samaritan. He wasn't even accepted in society. He was hated. Oh, hold on. Class, we'll go into school mode here for a moment. Class, how many lepers were there? You can tell me, how many were there? 10 lepers. 10 lepers, how many of the lepers were healed? 10. All 10 of them as they walked to go see Jesus. All 10 of them, I, I don't know, I love, I love doing this. I don't know that this happened. Please forgive me for, for even, even, even pretending this, I guess. I don't know if the arm was gone when God healed him, if God restored the arm. I don't know. I wasn't there. Neither were you. So we, we never, we don't know. I don't know if one, if their face was half rotted off, if God restored the face. I know this. The Bible says God healed them. God healed them. By the way, God created them first. God healed them here. Does God have the power to restore? Yes. I don't know that he did, but I like to imagine he did. And here's this guy whose arm was gone and boom, his arm is back and he came back and he fell at the feet of Jesus and gave thanks and worshiped Jesus. Amen. His arm's back, he's glorifying God, he's so thrilled, why? Because his death sentence is gone. He's forgiven, he's healed. The Bible says one of the 10 stopped to say thank you. By the way, we can get real hard on those other nine, but those other nine looked and saw they were healed. I would like to think I would have turned around to tell Jesus thank you. I would like to think that I would have. God gave me a wife and two children. And I'm afraid that maybe I would have jumped 
up and took off running home to see my wife and children. I said, Brother Kirk, why are you sharing Luke 17 with us this morning in Sunday school? The title of the lesson this morning is this, an attitude of gratitude. You know what I learned from Luke chapter 17? Thank you. Thank you. I became a youth pastor. I finished college with Brother Wilson. He graduated. They just kicked me out. But he, 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 he was good. I wasn't. I went back to my home church there in Murfreesboro, Tennessee to serve as youth pastor. Tom Wallace was my, Bob Kelly was the pastor when I was a teenager. Tom Wallace was the pastor now. And, and he, he called me at, while I was still a college student, said, Kurt, we're praying that, praying that maybe you would, you'd feel the call of God to come back here to be youth pastor at your home church. And I was on the phone with him there in, in Florida. And I, I said, hold on a second, let me pray about that. God said, yes. I mean, it was that quick. I, oh, God, oh, yes, sign me up. Got back there and the guy who had been the youth pastor, a dear friend of mine, he, he took me to his office and he sat me down. I, I wasn't even yet the youth pastor. I had just gotten back and he said this to me. He said, Kurt, he said, I want you to understand the most, the, the most ungrateful group of people in the world are teenagers. By the way, parents don't say amen yet. The most ungrateful group of people in the world are teenagers. That's what he said. I remember Brother Rob thinking, I don't know if I agree with that. And then I started working with teenagers. I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I said this in my mind. I said, if that's the case, if that's really the case, then, then I'm going to spend my time teaching teenagers to say thank you. Thank you. Now the story here is talking about how people were healed of an un, incurable disease a death sentence, just like you and I were cured of a sin disease when we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Not a sin disease, a sin curse, excuse me. I'm no longer going to hell. I'm on my way to heaven, not because of me, but because of the goodness of God. Hey, when was the last time, church family, you literally stopped to fall on your knees to say thank you to God for salvation? God saved our poor, wretched soul. We're on our way to heaven. And sometimes we'll sit in a Sunday school lesson like this and we'll be like, no, I already know that. No, an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. I, I've got three minutes left. I, I don't know if you've ever had something happen in your life that overwhelmed you to the point, or someone did something for you that overwhelmed you to the point you couldn't say thank you enough. By the way, teenagers, mom and dad gave you life. Thank you. Thank you. You got clothes on your body right now. Most of you probably didn't buy those clothes. And if you did, how'd you get the job? Who trained you to work? And who, who raised you from, from zero to 15 before you got that job? We all are the product of someone else who invested in our life. Pastor's not in here, I can say this. Was the last time you told him thank you? Man's in severe pain and he 
He's, I dare say if I were in the pain he's in, even as a guest speaker, I'd have called him this morning and said, hey, preacher, I don't think I can make it. When was the last time you said thank you? By the way, I, I'm assuming you did this morning. I don't know. I, when's the last time, sir, you looked at your wife when she fixed that meal for you? Said, honey, thank you. Well, I'd say thank you if it weren't burnt. <laughs> well, then wives keep burning it until he learns to say thank you. When was it, ma'am, the last time you looked at your husband? Said, honey, thank you for providing for us. Thank you for all your hard work. Thank you for mowing that yard. Thank you for shoveling that snow. I don't even know what that is. I'm from Tennessee. Thank, thank you for providing for us as a family. Well, if he didn't spend it all on his little hobbies, and I, I, I get it. Hey, can I, can I tell you, we as Christians ought to be the most grateful people in the world. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. I got one minute. Can I, can I give this little story? I, I may go a minute over. I, I'll try not to. Youth pastor, as a youth pastor, we took our teenagers canoeing. That is the absolute worst activity on earth. Canoeing is nothing but work. You usually go canoeing on this water, a body of water that isn't moving, and you paddle forever, and you're, you're working. And, and usually in your canoe, the person in your canoe doesn't know how to canoe. And they're paddling, and you're fighting against it. And finally, I just say to people in my canoe, don't paddle. Don't pat, just, just put your paddle down. I'll do all the work. I'm tired of going in circles in this boat because you keep putting your paddle in the water. And don't stand up. We're going to tip. Don't do it. Uh, canoeing is the worst. We went on this long seven-mile canoe trip with a group of teenagers. We were in West Virginia on a trip, seven-mile long canoe, on a body of water that wasn't moving in a hot summer August afternoon baking in the sun in long pants, tennis shoes. I'm a little bitter about this. And, but we, we went canoe, it was, it was forever. It took us about seven hours to do it. We, we got to the end of the, of the canoe trip and, and the first, you know, you got those overly aggressive teenagers that, I mean, they're pat, they did the seven miles in like 30 minutes. And they're at the end and they're like bored. Okay, what are we doing now? And they're jumping in the water, baptizing each other, you know, having a big old time. And, and then finally we get there. We're paddling down the, we, we're exhausted. We get to the end and a young man named Casey going into his senior year of high school, little short redhead fireball kind of a kid. Casey jumps in the water and he's swimming over to the first boat of girls that was paddling up there. And he gets a little closer to the boat and he's talking to him. He's like, oh, oh, I'm gonna drown. I'm gonna drown. Can I just hold on to the side of your boat? I mean, he's doggy paddling. Can I, can I hold on? They're like, oh, Casey, don't drown. Please come over to the boat, please. Casey gets over there, grabs a hold of the side of the boat. <sighs> Those girls, they went in, their hair was nice, you know, makeup. They went underwater, they came back up, and he's like, ah, who are you? <laughs> Makeup's running, hair, didn't even write, they didn't even look the same. They swim over to the side, drag it. The next boat, he does the same thing. Seven different boats. He's getting every boat. Guys, Casey, don't jump. Boom, down there. They're like, oh, it's funny. I'll swim. My wife, she said, Casey, don't you do it. She stood up in the boat with her oar like a baseball bat. Said, Casey, if you come over here, I'll kill you. And she would have. 
or she's swinging that oar in the water. Get back, get back. Casey coming over to us, he was, he was going underwater and bobbing back up. And he was tired. And Casey was literally at the point of drowning. He had gone under, came up literally coughing water out, went under again, came up coughing water out. My wife looked at me, she said, I think he's drowning. I said, should I save him? <laughs> she said, not yet. <laughs> Saw he was going under, I dove in the water, lost my glasses, I wore glasses then, and lost my glasses and caught him by the ribs, got him up out of the water and, and uh, there was another boat still capsized right there. We were able to grab a hold of that boat, hold on to it and my wife came over there. We got a hold of that boat and Casey reached up. And, no, I'm just kidding. He didn't do that. We got to the side of the, water, or the, the bank and Casey laid down, senior in high school, laid down on the mud. I laid down next to him. Casey's crying. I'm laying there, I'm crying. Just so you know, as a youth pastor, if you kill a teenager, that's not really good. Here I am thinking, I just about lost a teenager. He's crying. Casey wrote me a letter every week his entire senior year. Brother Kurt, thank you. You saved my life. Mr. Coulter, Casey's dad. He'd catch me in the hallway at church, tears coming down his face when he saw me. He'd reach his hand out to shake my hand, and as he shook my hand, I'd take my hand away. There was a $100 bill in my hand. Every time. I'm talking about like at least once a month, he caught me with a $100 bill in his hand, shaking my hand and said, my son's alive because you saved him. I'm so thankful. I thought, man, we need to go canoeing more often. Let me try and drown someone else's kid next time. This is, this is good. You know what I learned from them? Gratefulness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank hey, teenagers, your parents ought to get tired of hearing you say thank you. Hey, mom, thank you. Hey, dad, thank you. Hey, grandma, thank you. Hey, grandpa, thank you. Hey, if this, is this church known for your gratefulness? Matthew 7, or excuse me, Luke chapter 17 is all about gratitude. My prayer this morning is in Sunday school, God, help me be a grateful person. Help me to be grateful. God, may I be obnoxious in telling people thank you. God, may I start with you. God, thank you for saving my soul. Lord, I love you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Luke 17, Luke 16.